Hey everybody, Paul Darren Jr. here from Here That Podcast Ground. Great to have you listen to the podcast, but I highly recommend you got to give some love to our great friends at 50 West Brewing Company. I'm not just saying that because I'm great friends with Optimistic Bobby. I'm not just saying that because, you know, uh, they're sponsor of the pod. This is delicious beer. I'm drinking Coast to Coast. I'm drinking Doom Pedal. You've got their Ocean City Ghosts. And go down to the production works or the brew pub. It's the perfect time of year to do it. The The weather's great. The sand volleyball is going on. They have cycling groups, canoeing, kayaking. They're training people for marathons. They're doing fun runs and drinking afterwards. Man, you can't beat it. I highly recommend. Perfect time of year to head down to the Pro Works or the Brew Pub. Enjoy delicious beer. Great food. Can't beat it. And remember, every beer is a journey. Come join for the ride. edition of Hear That Podcast Growling, presented as always, thanks to our good friends at 50 West Brewing Company, makers of oh, the most delicious beer. Jay, how we doing? Doing well, despite being carless at the moment. Car- oh. See, we had the bets uh, in the walkout after the game of whether or not you would get a ticket and you did not get a ticket? I did not get a ticket. I, I See, there's I, the bright I, side. There's the bright side of things. I, I did go rather fast on the way home. I also took a two-hour nap at a rest area. And then uh, two blocks from my house, the car just completely died. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to hear what the damage is from the mechanic on what this is going to cost me. But uh, it could have been worse, obviously. It could have been middle of the night on a highway. I was thankful I got as close to the house as I did. Two that, I mean, that is excruciating. Two blocks from the house on a six-plus-hour drive that included a two-hour, the dreaded two-hour rest area nap, and you're almost, you're right, almost home. In the and it, it was what? What time was that? I mean, it had to have been seven thirty a.m. Seven. <laughs> Hey, at least at least you were an early bird to get a hold of the mechanics on uh, on Monday morning. That's right. And, and the thing was, what saved me is it really started acting up as I got into Cincinnati area. And that's where I started hitting morning rush hour. So I was not going as fast. And, and you know, that that would have been the worst. What it was was the axle bracket broke off of uh, of the axle. I thought it was a transmission issue because I no longer had any gears. But I uh, had that broke. While I was going 80 on a highway, it could have been really ugly. So I, I was lucky. The The downside to breaking down a couple blocks from your house is you can't just say, well, I'll get all that stuff when when the car's fixed. <laughs> I had to carry all my stuff, my cooler of beers, my uh, my suitcase, <laughs> my laptop. I had a bunch of stuff in the car. And I had to lug that all, make a couple trips. But yeah, two blocks, that's, that's not a killer. I, I can do that. But before I jump in, we have a lot to get to, and I'm excited to talk about that. Uh, can you discuss more of the cooler of beers in your car? Hotel beers. You always got to take some <laughs> – no matter where your road trip takes you, you got to pack a little cooler. You don't want to pay yeah. $5 a beer at the at the marketplace in the, the hotel lobby. So, yeah, I take my own. So, 
so resourceful, so so forward thinking. That's that's why we, so lame because it was still full of beer. I only drank one one in Buffalo. <laughs> that is kind of sad, actually. <laughs> I, I would hope that you packed them with some blues, some some Labatt blues for up there. If you're yeah, do just it, do it right. boring old Bud Light. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, let's let's talk a little bit. Um, we got a lot to get to. I want I want to kind of talk about Andy Dalton's play through three games. We we have discussed it in spurts. We have sort of tinkered with really making judgments, but it, it's been hard to. The sample sizes have been small. The games have been very weird and unique. Um, but I, I want to kind of take a quick dive into that. Um, we're you know what we need to do. People are down. They're down. So we need to try. We'll, we'll try to come up with some reasons to be positive a little bit uh see if see if we can perk you up um and and not let everybody hate life at this point we're here for you we're we're here to be real but we also we we don't we don't want you again it goes back which not don't kick your pets and don't (laughs) kick your neighbor's pets right jay don't kick any pets don't We just, we just, we're here for the safety of others, and we want a happy world. So we're going to try to find some reasons to be positive. Uh, we'll go behind the curtain with Darren Simmons talking about the what the referee told him uh, after the Audentate holding call. That's going to take all the positivity and happiness that we built and make you mad again. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the AJ Green timeline, which got a burst of news yesterday. Um, We'll give out offensive brute. We'll play run passer boot, and we'll see what free tickets Jay is hunting down as we do every week. All right, let's dive in a little bit. Um, I'll just I'll just throw this out there on the surface to to get it going, and, and we'll see where it goes from here. How do you feel Andy Dalton has played through three games? Uh, well, I guess that says it all right there. That that pause. Um, that it's been. <laughs> Yeah, there's been some good. There's been some bad. Uh, it's been basically what we've seen from Andy through his career. I, I mean, he's he's always kind of been this guy that can can get you in the right spots and and uh, has, has this great knowledge of the game, great pre-snap reads, and then sometimes there's just those head scratching throws that that really kind of cost you. And and you know we saw that in the San Francisco game with the interception by Quan Alexander. Uh, that was a poor decision. The, the one that I think, you know, everybody's on everybody's mind from the Buffalo game, the the interception that ended the game to Auden Tate, just, I mean, no pressure, uh, everything you want right there that, you know, you can, you can get it pretty where anywhere near Auden Tate and he's going to come down with it and to sail it high and behind him where, you know, maybe if that's another receiver, they don't even get a hand on it, but Auden Tate's catch rate radius is so huge that, that he gets a hand on it and then, everybody knows what happens to a tip ball in the secondary. And, and that's what happened. The game ending interception. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know how much of it is. It, maybe he's not fully comfortable in Zach's offense yet, or if we're starting to see uh, a decline at all in age, I mean, he, he is getting up there in age, but then again, you look around the league and look what other quarterbacks are doing playing into their forties um, he, he's not been hit a lot. Uh, so the wear and tear isn't, he hasn't been hit a lot compared to past generations, let's say. Um, but I don't know. I, it's it just, you, you wonder if this season keeps going like this, at what point would they make a move just to 
maybe take a look at one of the young guys. But but right now, that's not the time. Now, um, I don't. I, if I had to put a percentage on it or a grade, um, you know, like in grade school or high school, whatever, I, I, I'd put him probably at a C plus right now. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. I think you know something that you said sticks out. I mean, I think it's who he's been for the most part. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's been particularly bad, particularly who he's been without AJ Green. I mean, AJ has saved Andy and elevated Andy uh, in so many situations, um, as as he would any any quarterback. But I mean, they, 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 their connection has been a particular game changer, obviously. Um, for his performance there, there's a few numbers I always go back to with any quarterback play when trying to really evaluate and this number I, I hope people know it I've been trying to use it more and more it's the most predictive stat not just for quarterbacks but for winning that you'll pretty much find out there if you go back through the last few years the teams that have won games made the playoffs been in the Super Bowl, their quarterbacks have been the leaders in adjusted net yards per attempt. It's essentially yards per attempt, uh, takes sacks into account, as well as touchdown to interception ratio. And Dalton is 18th in the league in that stat. Um, Middle of the pack, kind of where if you were saying what grade, what what is Andy Dalton as a quarterback, you'd eh, 18 right I mean you probably would say something like that Mm -hmm. so in in many in in respect to that particular statistic um you know that's kind of who he's been troubling more I I go another the other stats I like to look at score score percentage on drives I mean you're responsible in in so many ways yeah you, you know he can't control everything uh, you, you can't control a bad offensive line. You can't control no running game, things like that. But he's responsible for getting him in the right play. He's responsible for making the throws. You put a lot of these drives on him. Score percentage, they're tied for 28th with the Browns. Uh, turnover percentage, they're 28th. That's in the bad side, not the good side. Mm. Uh, touchdown percentage, they're 25th. So this offense... And Grant, you know, you fall behind so early against San Francisco. It does skew things a bit. Um, but still has been one of the worst in the league. And and that is a concern. And I, I'm not, you know, we talk about the throw that ends the game. And I sort of was talking with Zach a little bit about that in the press conference yesterday. And, you know, yeah, he basically said – clean clean pot had the passing lane everything you would have wanted i believe was kind of where it ended um for him and it's one that he would have wanted back you know is that quick to point out that he made a lot of great throws to get them all the way down there but as we said in the walkout just a throw you can't miss and i'm not saying that this is going to make them bench andy dalton i'm not even going near there but i'm saying this if you are playing cards and or you ever played gin rummy like 500 right yes yes i have talking yeah so what you do you get these cards right and you're 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 quietly holding your hands and and are you one of those that holds before you put all your cards down and try to do the the big boom at the end 
Uh, I can't Spot say I had a strategy. I've, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've <laughs> you got to have a rummy strategy, Jay. <laughs> what you can what you can do when you're playing this game is you hold everything up. You're making your moves. You're taking a card out. You're putting a card in, and you're and you're getting this whole this whole hand so that at one point when it's your turn, when you get the perfect card, you can go boom, 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 put all your stuff down and go out and get everybody holding their cards. It's 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 what you want to do. And here is I feel like that was. In, in if someone's playing the the big dis- deciding when to make the big boom decision, that was just picking a card out and putting one in that is it gave you like three kings and a possibility for a jack queen king run or something. You know, it's like that's one of those that the Bengals staff will put in their in their memory bank. And if things start to add up, if things start to go a different direction, that's a piece of the that's a big piece of the puzzle. Because it's just it's just throws you can't miss. Whether it's something in this offense, whatever's going, on, a new judgment is starting on him this season, and it it hasn't been great. And that particular pass is one that's really hard to erase from the memory banks. That's all. I'm and not it, saying that they're going to replace him though. No, no, and I, I was I was just saying if it keeps going like this, if they stay winless and it gets to midseason, then when do you start? I, I yeah, the time is not now, or they're not gonna they're not gonna do that. Um, the the throw, I mean, I'll ask you this: what when they got the ball back? Like I, we've seen Andy do this. I mean, I think he's second in the NFL since 2011 in fourth quarter comebacks, and uh, and I guess technically he did have one because they took the lead in the fourth quarter um, and then gave it back up, but. I, I fully expected them to go down and win that game on that drive. And had had it been our old newspaper days where you have to have, you know, kind of a short story ready to go at the gun, I would have already been writing about the comeback and how they – I mean, you have to because you have to be prepared for either either way. But, but yeah, I really did. Once once they got that the uh, penalty, the holding call against Auden Tate or on the defender on Auden Tate to get that first first down – I fully expected them to, to go down and, and win that game. We just we've seen Andy do that before in games where he struggled. And he it's it's not quite the clutch gene. I don't want to put him up in that stratosphere, but he does seem to be really good in those situations. And, and that one was was really out of character to to miss that badly with the game on the line. And you could tell it in the post game press conference. He was he stood there and he answered all the questions. He wasn't like peeking over at at PJ Combs, the media relations director, kind of asking you know when are you going to get me off this podium he he waited for every question but as the as the presser went on uh, as he started hearing some of the same questions twice you, you could tell he was irritated with himself and his answers got shorter and normally you don't see that normally Andy puts on a, a pretty brave face uh, in, in those post-game pressers and he, he was clearly agitated with with the way he had played and, and kind of dropped the ball for the team in that game yeah I mean I, I think, um, you know, when you look at where they go from here, uh, I was sort of asked this by somebody uh, the other night. I, I, I did a crossover onto the, the Locked On podcast with our guy Jake, um, and he was talking about what does this mean? What, what, what would it mean for Andy Dalton if this team was picking the top three? Would they be looking at the quarterback? And I said, well, it's kind of what we said from the beginning. If this team is picking the top three and Dalton was healthy all year, there's no doubt that they're picking a quarterback. I mean, assuming there is one, assuming they view that there is one, and I think by what we you know, likely will be. Um, because 
mostly because if this team only wins three, four, five games with him at quarterback, it's it if it does event it does fall on him. It is that is going to be in in his wheelhouse because he needs to be the one responsible for going to win a lot of these games. And you mentioned his, you know, whatever if we're talking clutchiness. So much of that has been with AJ Green, though. I mean, think yeah. back to last year. What did we What did we see? They made all those come. He had four fourth quarter comeback game winning drives in the eleven games. Well, ten games that he played fully. Right. I mean, all of those came with AJ Green on the field because in those moments, that's who you go to. It's who you look to, and the dude makes plays. Or they the other defense knows that and they go to him and as you saw in Atlanta Tyler Boyd makes a bunch of plays um, but eventually they went back to AJ and AJ makes the game touchdown winner. there and the same thing against Tampa Bay uh, and I'm trying to remember ever all the details of the Pittsburgh drive even though they lost it was the game winning drive I can't remember all the details of it other than they scored too quick uh, but you know I it's I just feel like so much of him. He is elevated in those situations in particular by AJ and not having him, I think, is evident. I go back to the Baltimore game last year. Fourth and two, you're thrown and out to Cody Core, right? Didn't go I mean, well. And we, we, we made fun of it all the time. And Lord knows how many jokes I've made at, at the end of last season about that concept, about the concept of fourth and two with your season hanging in the balance thrown to Cody Core. But that's because. There was no A.J. Green out there, and it changes the dynamic of the defense because they know, you know, they're daring you to do things like that. And and I do think that changes the game uh, a little bit and is defined. It, it, and I, to go back to the beginning of this discussion, I think that this is a short sample size on Andy Dalton. We certainly need many more games to judge, and a big one to judge would be Monday Night Football in Pittsburgh. Uh, so against a good defense, the one thing Pittsburgh does have is their defense is solid. Not as spectacular as maybe they thought it would be, but solid. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to make these judgments, and I I fully believe that we're going to see a full 16-game season barring injury of Andy Dalton. I don't – I mean, I guess the season could go totally sideways and they would bench him, but I, I, I don't foresee that happening. I think they want to give him a full season and, and make any decisions about that position in the offseason. Um, but – you know, I he hasn't been he's been he's been one of the the least of, of the concerns because there's been so many concerns um, but it still is fair to evaluate it and know that you know it hasn't been great and certainly that last throw is uh was a bad development for him and in not just the sample size but look maybe hold off on on truly assessing until you know it you know, you wrote about Cordy Glenn last week. Uh, it does look like he's progressing towards coming back. He's at least making forward progress in that regard. You know, wait, wait until Cordy comes back. Wait until AJ comes back. Wait till you know, Joe Mixon in this run game can really get going. Um, it's still – we talked about this forever in the postseason and or in the preseason and just that this first month there was going to be a lot of finding their footing, you know, the players, the coaches, and everything. So um, – no one wants this kind of start, uh, but I do think that the second quarter of the season, games five through eight, is where we'll really be able to kind of measure what Andy is in this offense and, and where they go or how they approach moving forward. Yeah, I'd agree. I would totally agree. I think the, the judgment that we've talked about for the coaching staff belongs with Dalton, too. All right, let, let's 
let's let's help people. You know, people get worn down by Andy Dalton talk. People are really struggling with this 0-3 thing. They're just they're yelling at the refs on Twitter. It's it's all very it's all very bad. Let's find some reasons to be positive right now. Let's 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 do it. let's help the people. What what Jay, give me a reason. Give me a reason to be positive. Okay, again, this is this is a uh, this is a data driven. This is not looking at current personnel or current anything like that that's going on. But um, I went back and I looked at all the times the the Bengals have been winless going into a game against the Steelers, and uh, it hasn't gone well for the Bengals. Um, they they were uh, they were zero and six in zero eight. They were zero and five in zero two. Zero and five in two thousand. Zero and five in ninety four. They lost all those games. Uh, the only time both teams were winless with more than one loss uh, was 93. Both teams were 0-2 and, and the Steelers won that game. But this is a optimistic exercise. So go back to 1985. The Bengals were 0-3. The Steelers were 2-1. And, and the Bengals were going to Pittsburgh for a Monday night game. And uh, despite being 0-3 and, and playing in Pittsburgh, they, they won that game 37-24. to 24. They were down 24-21 going into the fourth quarter. They scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, pull out the win in a game the Steelers were favored by six. Uh, I, I think the line is four right now for the, this coming Monday night game. And that game in 1985 was played on September 30th, 1985. And the game this Ooh. week, September 30th, 2019, exactly 34 Years to the day when they will try to try to duplicate being zero and three and going into Pittsburgh and winning on Monday night. Oh, that's 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 special stuff right there. Here's here's the problem with that. Carl Zander ain't walking through that door. Max Montoya ain't walking through that door. Downtown Eddie Brown is not walking through that door. Eddie Edwards. That's what I said. It's data driven. It's not personnel driven. There you go. I wonder what was there maybe two guys on this team that were even born. I mean, Zach Taylor was in diapers. He was what two years old in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. It is. It is a long time. What uh, maybe maybe Clark Harris? Yeah, I was thinking of Clark and maybe Huber. Yeah, no, maybe I don't Huber. think Huber yet. So Clark no, might be the Huber. only one. Huber was a thought at that point. <laughs> Maybe they could, you know, James Brooks wouldn't hurt. James, James, James Brooks. I just, I just, I had to pull up the eighty-five roster, and I, and I get excited. Somebody James Brooks had the game-winning touchdown in that game, which doesn't surprise anybody, I'm sure. No, no. Uh, Bengals defense not super strong in 1985, by the way. <laughs> when have they been? The first three weeks, they gave up twenty-eight, forty-one, and forty-four. That sounds like some 2019 type scores. Or 2018, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, all right, let's um, so let's let's, let's keep. Uh, here's my reason for positivity. I I really. This is gonna sound. I I don't know. I don't really care how this is gonna sound. I I, I really am am not of the opinion that we have. We will even talk about these first three games when we look back at this that what we care about this season. And 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 I think 
you know, I, I associate with like if we have Xavier fans that are listeners, Travis Steele. We saw a lot, seen a lot of these coaches go through uh, their first years here lately. Um, I, I go back to Travis Steele, where people were, oh, what a, this has been a terrible hire, and and people were people were trying to burn him at the stake uh, early in their in his first season. And all of a sudden, there was progress, and they started making a run, and they get in the tournament, and all you know, you 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 see them start to go in the right direction, and you get optimism over over that him as a coach and as a hire and all that stuff. And you're not, I you're not going to be judging by what happened in these first three weeks, because it, it regardless, it, you know, if they stink all year. You're going to be talking about some of the ugliness when it really spirals in, in, in November, December. is going to be clear in your memory. And if they turn it around, all you're going to say about those first three weeks is, yeah, they struggled to get something, things figured out. But once they once they got everything together, they, they, you know, they played well. And I think that's part of the story here. We're still – you can still play on the 2003 narrative, right? It's still out there. 0-3. 0-3 to 8-8. Oh, and three to eight and eight. I mean, and it was. You can still try to play the last time they had a first-year coach if you want to play that game. So there, there we go. Of course, that does involve um, winning this week, and then stop finding a way to. They eventually have to get to seven and five, which is what happened that season. If you really want to play that one out, which would be, I don't foresee that. You talk about forgetting these first three weeks. I mean, honestly, for Bengal fans, if they go to Pittsburgh and win Monday night, that's that's like pouring a big old pitch of reminder racers right there. I mean, the first everybody's gonna forget about these first three weeks. And then, you know, you you if you somehow find a way to beat Pittsburgh and then come home and, and beat a bad Arizona team and all of a sudden they're two and three, I I could totally see this this fan base kind of I know it's They've been burned before, and they're they're a little hesitant to jump on. But I think they really want to believe in in Zach Taylor, and I, I think they want to get behind this team. And I think that would do it. it. As bad as things have gone, it hasn't been all bad, but is the results to be zero and three? If if they can go into Pittsburgh and win that game, I just I think that totally changes everything. Not just in the fan base, but even in that locker room. I think that would have a huge boost. Uh, but the, the trouble is, if it goes the other way, if if it's zero and four, it 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 could be it could be really bad. Uh, nobody's going to be forgetting September at that point for a long time. Yeah, you know, I uh, I wrote about it way back in the the season prediction, and that's what it was. It was if this is the game for the fans, this is a game for the fans to feel better about the direction that they're heading. Now, it was sort of under the thought that Ben Roethlisberger would be there, but mm-hmm. a chance to just exercise so many demons and a, and a chance to just make everybody feel like it will be different under Zach Taylor. They won't struggle in prime time. They won't never beat the Steelers. You know, they or I didn't mean to double negative myself. That was really sad. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but I mean, they, you know, they that will beating the Steelers will will happen on occasion, right? I mean that, and it's a, even at zero and three, it's a great chance to try to change that. Uh, and so it's it's really a clean slate. And I, and I, I sort of, 
I have a tendency to try to believe people and take them on their face. I don't feel like I've really been lied to much. You know, certainly Zach has a way of sort of answering your question with without giving up too many details, but as being as forthright as he can. And I really believe him when he talks about there's still positivity in the room and he feels mm-hmm. like came in really fired up and, and not really, you know, and able to put that behind him really quickly and just, you know, Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh Steelers, feeling like there's some things that are starting to figure themselves out. I, I, I do tend to believe that, and I think that there's hope, and it is funny how differently people will view things uh, at this point in time next week on Tuesday uh, if they do find a way to go beat Mason Rudolph. You know, it's like you'll have the better quarterback in the game. The ne- you know, I would say I would argue the next two weeks for yeah. sure you have the better quarterback in the game. Uh, Kyler Murray maybe at some point will be better, but to this point has not. Um, so those are games you sh- you should go win. I, it's just it's interesting to see how it will how it will play out. Um, and something that I want to go. Uh, well, I was going to say real real quick uh, something interesting. I thought that that just Zach in the post game press conference Sunday and again Monday in his presser automatically stating how big Pittsburgh is in Monday night football and not running from that. You know, we, in the past, we've heard just another game and all that kind of thing. And uh, just, I just thought it was interesting that even in the, in the wake, just minutes after that loss, he was talking about what a big one they have coming up with it being Pittsburgh, with it being Monday night, just totally embracing that, that, that whole challenge. Um, Whereas in the past, like I mentioned, it's, it's kind of been, they've, they've tried to take that, that just another game approach and, and it ends up not being that you can tell they, they play tight and it's, it's, it's been a different approach on the, on the actual field during the game. So I'm interested to see what the, the, the talk in the locker room is going to be um, on Thursday when we get to see the players for the first time, if, if they're kind of taking that same approach where, yeah, this is huge. This is big. It's Pittsburgh. It's Monday night. Or if, if they kind of fall back on the old, just another game cliche. Well, hell, half the time Marvin wouldn't even really let, wouldn't even let him talk about it. Right, it was like, he wouldn't even you know, almost almost silenced. Yeah, yeah I mean, it that's was, what I, it was. I think wild. that's where that tightness came from on game days, where they were everything was so buttoned up and it just, like I said, tight, and and it, it shows on the field on 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 Sunday. In this case, it'll be Monday. Uh, and really interested to see how that's going to play out. We will find out. Um, one thing that I want to. Uh, drop on to um, the back end of this conversation when we were talking about, you know, how differently you feel if you beat Pittsburgh and you've got a bad Arizona team coming in um, and then you would go to Baltimore. Let's let's answer the question people on Twitter are asking about A.J. Green's timeline. As, you know, yesterday, Zach Taylor says A.J. is not going to practice this week. He's not going to play against Pittsburgh. Um, so... People are saying, well, when, he, when, when will he be back? We, you know, I, I would say, and, and this is just going by what we've seen, It's if he's not going to practice this week, we saw him out on the rehab field for the first time last week. I thought that was a big step. He's, he's out there and he's, you know, he's doing these, whatever they even do. It's like these a little bit of running is a little bit of like slow on the they've got the bands on the legs and stretch you know trying to do resistance walks and all that stuff um i think i don't think he's gonna be back by arizona if if he's not even practicing at all this week i feel like he'll practice maybe a little bit not playing a game 
and then get a full week of full practice. I'm going to say I think Baltimore is realistic. And, again, if you it goes back to you talking about getting to two and three against two teams that are not have not been good this year. You know, two teams without a win. Beating them, getting to two and three, and then having A.J. Green come back, uh, going to Baltimore, you know, that could be the jolt that you're looking for to try to get back. If you're trying to find that 2003 track, uh, that could be the jolt that you're looking for. That's what I, that's what I think. I don't know if you have a different thought on it, um, but I think just judging by what we've seen and what we've heard, that feels like that could be the realistic return date. Yeah, a lot depends on when he, what he does when he returns to practice. If he, if he goes, if once he comes back, he's full, or if they kind of ease him in, which is a couple, like two limited days, and then he goes full on a Friday, then yeah, I don't think he would play that week. Um, you know, we're getting up to, if, if he was going to miss eight games, they they thought he was going to miss eight games, it, they would have put him on IR, and they, they didn't. So clearly they, they thought he was going to be back quicker than eight games, and nobody's really said anything about the it's taking longer than expected or there's been setbacks. I mean, everybody's been positive about the, this progress. So yeah, I think either way you lose, you lose to Pittsburgh, you're 0 and four, then, you know, you're not going to rush him back. And if, if he's not quite ready and if you win that game and, and you're going against an Arizona team, you feel like you can beat without AJ, then it does make sense to kind of ease him back in. And I mean, what, what better place Obviously, he wanted to do Monday night. He wanted to do the Pittsburgh game. He wanted that to be his first game. Or he, you know, he said that that would be a good time to come back. But, but if it's not that one, what better place than Baltimore for him to make his debut? We talked about the clutch gene and all those big late game moments. I mean, is there a place in this league that he's he's done more of that in than Baltimore? Um, the Ravens have struggled to cover him for years, and him and Andy just seem to have this this weird connection in the fourth quarters. Of, of those games in Baltimore. If if they're two and three going into that game and they get AJ back, that's, that is one heck of a jolt. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, that's, that's the best case scenario of these next three weeks, you know, because we're trying to, we're not trying to take people even further off the edge. We're not going to talk about the worst case scenario of losing to Mason Rudolph and Kyler Murray in back-to-back weeks and then going, getting throttled by Lamar Jackson and AJ's continuing to struggle to come back. I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that possibility. We're here for you. We're here for you. We're t- we realize that that's not what you need right now. <laughs> you don't. You don't need piling on. Okay. It's like the coaches. The coaches know when to yell at a guy and give him the hug around the neck. We're trying. We're trying to give the hug around the neck today. That's what we're trying to do. Neck hug. Don't call HR. <laughs> we, we, we're asking for consent and permission. A, a virtual hug around the neck. Virtual. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, let's let's go uh, behind the curtain real quick, and uh, I, I want to. <laughs> this is not making things better, but I do want to talk. I do want to let you hear from the horse's mouth when we sat down. We had special teams coordinator Darren Simmons in on Monday, and obviously, topic of conversation being that call on Auden Tate, the hold. And, you know, watching the video, you see him, you know, locked up and and running with 
the the defender and as the defender goes to turn back the other way Tate had a, a little grasp of jersey and as he turns he holds on to it for just a half a second just a beat and then let's go and there's like a little ha- little slight resistance and then he spins off and goes to chase Darius Phillips to hear what the referee's interpretation of what he thought he saw was, I could make an argument for a hold based on the video. Like, oh, it would be super ticky-tack considering what we see every single kickoff in it, really. But you could say, okay, there's the, that little that little beat of resistance caused. Uh, maybe I could see it, right? That was not what the referee was throwing his flag over. Here is our conversation about that with special teams coordinator Darren Simmons. Was it a hold? Oh, <laughs> it's not what my my opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I'll let you guys, you guys can watch the tape. You guys can make your own determinations about it. But uh, um, I've seen a lot of plays over my time. I see a lot of plays over holds, and I've seen a lot of plays who that are not holds. So... Um, they called it. Obviously, they felt that it was. Did he give you any kind of explanation? Did you ask him what he saw or anything? Or? Yeah, he said he uh, um, saw him grab him. He said he saw him spin him around. He said he thought it was the easiest call that he made all year. Really? Hallucination, huh? Again, that's up for your interpretation. <laughs> but, uh, Someone spun him around. He didn't think he just, you know, turned himself. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I, that's what he told me. Huh. It seemed like he's reacting to the ball. Because the ball was back inside him. Right. So he said he, he said verbatim that that was the easiest call he made. He told me verbatim that was the easiest call he made the whole year. And he said he spun him, right? He said he grabbed him and spun him. So, okay. One, <laughs> I just got to say this. If if I'll let go being a smart ass to Darren Simmons on the sideline. If the coach is yelling at you, you want to say something to – to shut him up and you say, oh, that's the easiest call I made all year, right? I mean, unbelievable that he would say that. But the fact that he his interpretation of what he saw was that Auden Tate essentially took him and spun him a, the opposite, essentially the opposite direction that the defender wanted to go, that he spun him that direction, not that the guy moved that direction, is a is a wild misviewing of what actually happened right in front of him because that, that was not what happened. No, it was a turn. He was turning to chase chase down Darius Phillips. And when, when we first saw the replay, I, I thought I saw him grab a little bit of jersey too, and I didn't think it was that that bad of a call. Um, or I, I could understand why they called it there because, you know, if that if that's away from the ball, then they let it go. But when it's when it's that close – to where the returner is making his final cut to get into the clear, I I, I kind of understood the the call. I, I not don't necessarily agree with it, but I understood how he could have thrown it. But yeah, to to say it was an easy call and to say that that Auden Tate spun him, there's I just don't know. I mean, maybe the game moves too fast for these. Maybe they see things they don't really see. Um, but the, the the big question there is how does that change the the outlook or the the way that game goes uh, to all of a sudden get that break. They're looking for any break they can get at all. And something like that were to happen, not can't guarantee they're going to win the game with an extra seven points when it comes that early, but a huge point uh, in the game for, for a struggling offense. And um, I, I, if, if there's one guy I could mic up 
on the Bengals sideline, it would be Darren Simmons because he is he is as animated as you can get on on both good plays and bad plays. It would be really interesting to hear, and he's involved in so much of everything with kickoffs and punts and field goals and uh, all of that. Um, that uh, that would I would almost pay to listen to that for a game. Yeah, th- yeah. There's there's. Oh, I don't I don't know how much <laughs> of that we can play on here. Uh, oh, we're the internet. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, we'll play whatever. That's we right. Want. Uh, yeah. So just an interesting. It, it just I went through and looked up. The last five years, this is becoming a bad habit. This is this is a problem with, with me doing all these overly research stats. Last five years, games that included a kickoff return for a touchdown. What, Jay, do you think was the winning percentage of teams that had a kickoff return for a touchdown as one of their scores? And I was actually curious what the number was going to be before I looked it up. So what, what, what would you think? That's a good question. I, I would I would say it's probably not as high as you think it is because a lot of times if you're if you're returning kicks, it means the other team's scoring and and maybe some of those kick returns are coming late in blowouts. I uh, I say pretty close to five hundred. Sixty six percent of teams with a kickoff return mm-hmm. win their games. Have won their games. That's thirty five different instances where the team that had the kickoff return won the game. And so many, I, I literally went through every box score because PF, the pro football reference where I search it, uh, it's, it was kind of hard to do just a look at the general. You had to go into every box score to make sure that it was correct. And I, so I went and I tracked every single one. So many were one score games because that's what so many NFL games are one score games. Yeah. And when you have an, an unscripted score like that, it totally changes the dynamic. It's, you know, Darren sort of called it the jolt that they needed badly needed and teams man you get those those types of scores are totally the jolts that you need especially when you're playing so poorly on the other side of the ball i'm not saying they would have won but it sets off a totally different set of dominoes in that game maybe they lose in even more disappointing fashion it's just possible but it set it's a totally different dynamic throughout that entire second half for sure it was a huge call certainly one of the biggest calls in the game and but it happens Bad calls happen. That one was particularly egregious, especially tough to swallow when you see that the ref totally hallucinated what he thought he saw. I'm sitting here scanning my brain, and I did the Bengals have a kick return for a touchdown in those last five years? I can't remember the last time they had one. No, no, not kickoff. Uh, I think you. Yeah, I think punt. you have to go back to Bernard Scott in that eighteen twelve game, the war the war <laughs> of eighteen twelve back in two thousand nine. <laughs> Uh, in Pittsburgh, I believe you have to go back to that game. I, I'm pretty sure. I have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure. I wonder if they I wonder if they have the biggest drought in the league for a kickoff return touchdown. That I can. That's something up. we can research. That is something we can research. Um, while you are researching, uh, you know what's a great thing to go with overly researched stats, Jay? A frosty beverage. Frosty frosty beverages and you can pick you got you got to go get some 50 west beverages and if they're bad stats you get to punch you in the ipa if they're good stats just get you a nice little coast to coast or american lager uh it, it is it's delicious it, on somebody sent me a tweet the other day uh will say showing me how excited they were because their dayton kroger had a huge wall of 50 west on it now it was a beautiful sight it almost brought a tear to my eye i'm not gonna lie so, so, so if you're in the Dayton area, hey, 50 West now in your backyard too. You've got that going for you. 
Uh, you, of course, if you're in Cincinnati area, you can always just go down to the Pro Works. It's it's just the perfect time of year. It's beautiful down there. The patios open. They they'll they'll get the fire pit going out there. Uh, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, delicious beer, great food. They they have a different something different going on in the grill like every single night. It's just awesome. And you never know, optimistic Bobby might be around trying to make you feel better. Again, this is we're all about the positivity here. If you really need the positivity, I highly recommend alcohol, in particular good stuff, and that is going to Fifty West. Uh, they're the best. Anyway, all right, let's move on. Let's. It's time to jump into some of our segments, and that includes the offensive brute of the week. Who's your offensive brute? Yeah, I, I, I think you have to go Auden Tate. He gets his first career start and uh, was really a pretty instrumental part of that game, especially that game-winning – not the game-winning. Yeah, sorry. Got a little too optimistic uh, there. The, the game-ending drive. Yeah, uh, he drew the the holding call that kind of got that thing going with the, the the first first down. He had two other in catches and and got some yards after catch. Get got him in position into into Bills territory. Um, nearly, you know, got a hand on on the bad throw that ended up costing him the game. I just thought that he played really well. Um, a, a lot of Bengal fans have been waiting to see him uh, in in a game like this to get a role like this. They they kind of pitch and hold him into a, a third down and a a red zone guy, and, and he showed he can be an every-down player. Played 89% of the snaps. How about John Ross played 100% of the snaps on, on Sunday? Yeah, that was surprising. I, I thought, you know, they would have maybe given Damian Willis a, a little bit of, of run after he played pretty much the whole game in Seattle two weeks ago, uh, give John a spell, especially with, I mean, John drops the first pass of the game, and he, he, has, he loses the fumble, and um, – maybe it would have been a good idea to, to sit him for a little bit, or maybe they're, they're worried about the confidence issue creeping back in. But I, I was really surprised by that, that I, I can't remember the last time a Bengals player not being a quarterback or an offensive lineman played hundred percent of the snaps. Yeah. Uh, so he's out there. They, 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 they basically moved Ross to the other side and put Tate into his old position with Boyd roaming the middle um, Zach not going into details about exactly why they did that, but felt like that was the best mix for them. You know, basically, Auden Tate displaced Damian Willis. And if you're talking about, we, we know that Tate, I remember asking Zach back in the preseason who amongst all those in that receiver bottle, battle was the best blocker. And he it snapped off Auden Tate and obviously has the advantage. He's got a big body. Um, and he he can get movement in the run game. You hope because he doesn't hold. But you know you get you get a little bit more if you're looking to get that run game going on the second level. Maybe he gives you that extra block, and he can do that. And you you know, I thought his run after the catch um, on that last drive twice was pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And going back even to the wide receiver screen they threw to him in the red zone against San Francisco, <clears throat> you know I thought he looked. That's an element of his game that we haven't seen a lot. You know, we've seen the jump ball. We've seen him, you know, wall guys off like a tight end a little bit. We haven't seen a lot of his after the kick. That was some pretty decent short area quickness and vision. And I, that's a really nice touch to add to his game, what can make him a l- little bit more effective for you, and I think what can keep him in there. I fully expect to see him playing the same amount of snaps 
Um, you know, Damian Willis obviously uh, supplanted a little bit. Uh, uh, but you know, I, I'm I look forward to seeing a lot more of Auden Tate over the over the next couple of weeks. I, I I think he's he I think he's shown well at every single turn, in my opinion. You mentioned that the runs after catch. I mean, I talked earlier about how I fully expect him to go down and and win win that game on that drive. When he got those and he spun out of the first defender, I I was in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh no, here comes a fumble because. He, he's not used to running with the ball. He, we see him going up and catching those, those fades, and um, it's, it's more down the sideline kind of stuff where he goes to the ground after he makes the catch, and you don't see him in the open field a lot. It, the, you've got defenders coming from both sides swatting at the ball, and I just thought he's not been in, used to being in this position. This is how this game's going to end, and he was really strong with the ball, and, and Zach talked too. It wasn't, it wasn't like those were huge yak plays. I think it was five or six yards on, on each one of them, but – that's about the best you can ask for on on those types of routes where he was on the field when he caught the ball. And that it goes back to what you said about how big and strong he is in the blocking game. He, the ball security impressed me as much as anything else, the way he was able to wrap it up and and not not fumble. I mean, it's, that, that should be a given that you don't fumble, but for a guy that's not used to running in the, the middle of the field with the ball like that, um, I, I, I definitely took that as a positive, the way he wrapped up and secured it. Uh, honorable mention for offensive brute to Trey Hopkins, in particular for the great play he made walling off that uh, the screen out to Joe Mixon. I mean, he that was the absolute key block to just turn it into nothing but green grass in front, to run out there, get in front of the linebacker, wall him off to, to set that up. And, and he's been playing really well anyway. Um, mm-hmm. Just the latest kind of example of, of why he's been good. And Billy Price held up pretty well uh, at, at left guard. And, and maybe maybe they're onto something. Maybe they can look at that and say, "All right, let's take a little bit more time with Michael Jordan, letting him come back because Billy's been pretty good. It's a nice thing to have. Where you'd rather just let Michael Jordan completely heal, give him an extra week because Price has played well. You know, he's obviously a smart guy. Uh, you know, you, you need you need more smart guys. And not that Michael Jordan isn't, but just pointing. Out, I mean, that's as a center. That's part of was part of his makeup coming out. Where you know he was he was really intelligent and understanding what was going on with defenses. Maybe that could be a part of something that uh, you know it, it can can spur the offensive line a little bit. Uh, run past your yeah, boot. I, I didn't. All right. Yes. Ready for run past your boot? I am. Um, all right. Let's start with the Bengals. And I, okay. I, I'm worried this week that this one's too easy. So, I, but I don't know. We haven't. We never discuss our answers to these ahead of time. Um. So we'll see if they all end up the same. And you at home, if you disagree, then please let me know. I'm going to guess some of you will. Bengals' first win comes against Pittsburgh, Arizona, or other. Run, pass, or boot, mm-hmm. Jim Morrison. Man, at, at the risk of sounding like a homer, I'm I'm going to run with Pittsburgh. I just like you said earlier, they've got the better quarterback in this game, and and if if you're going to pick one spot to be better, and that's the spot, um, they they've I think there's something to the fact that that they were close at Seattle, they were close at Buffalo. Um, they still need to learn how to win those games, but the fact that they've been in close games on the road in difficult environments. I think that experience is going to help them. I, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I didn't feel the Buffalo game was going to be a blowout one way or the other. I was almost wrong about that, but I don't feel like this game is going to be a blowout one way or the other. I, I think it 
it's going to be close. And, and I think if it is close in the fourth quarter, you give the edge to the team with the better quarterback. Um, and the Bengals have played better in Pittsburgh than they've played the Steelers in Cincinnati. Um, for, for whatever reason, they tend to, to play Pittsburgh pretty well at Heinz Field, and that's with Ben. Um, I just think this is the week that they're that I'm going to run with Pittsburgh. Um, I'll pass on Arizona. Um, I, I think they can win that game as well, but I don't think it'll be the first win. And I'll boot other. I, I just I think they're going to find a way to win one of these next two. I can't see the the first win coming beyond week five. Yeah, I I, I would see. I'm 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 torn because it's it's it eventually comes down to what's your prediction for Pittsburgh, you know? But and mm-hmm. and I, I I'm gonna. I'm going to run with Arizona and I'm going to boot I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to pass on Pittsburgh and, and boot other. I I think that they can win Pittsburgh and I may even pick them to win. Uh but if most I feel like you know, they're the first game they'll be favored in will be home against Arizona. So I'm going to go with Vegas a bit and and say Arizona ends up being what what it and the first win and then and then we'll see what happens from there but i yeah I, i'm with you that i feel like you know there's a very good chance they go into pittsburgh and win this game when you can i, may, I mean the fact that pittsburgh was in lost that game against san francisco when san francisco turned it over was it five times they just they just kept fumbling it back to them over and over and over again so the the next gen stats chart on mason rudolph shows he completed two passes beyond two yards uh, uh, in front of the line of scrimmage. Two. Now, gr- both of them went for touchdowns. Uh, the cross to Juju that he ends up turning into a great running catch, and then Deontay Johnson just ran himself wide open, and Rudolph hits him. Good for him. Those were two great plays. Those are the only two completions beyond two yards past the line of scrimmage. So, Mason Rudolph, not ex- you know, long way to go with him. Now, you know, the Bengals have proven they're pretty good at leaving guys running wide open, so maybe uh, Rudolph will take advantage of it. Uh, however, um, that's a, a big note from that game against San Francisco. Uh, all right, Jay. Your car died two blocks from your house. What is the, wor- what is the worst place for a car to die? Side of the highway in a city? So busy. Like rush hour side of the highway, on vacation, or rural Arkansas. Woo! I've never been to rural Arkansas, you, but I can pretty much say I. You can imagine. I, How about we can I just say rural America? But you, you, I'm just trying to think of the worst corner of rural rural America. Said from well, someone I, who's I lived have, there. I actually have some experience with rural America car issues. Um, I was. As I mentioned on a previous podcast, whenever we would go on vacations, we'd drive through the night and I would do all the driving. Everybody else sleeps. My record was 23 hours from Key West to Cincinnati. And I pushed it a little too far. Uh, I didn't want to I didn't want to pull over in a big city and get gas in Jacksonville. So I, uh, I went through Jacksonville and then shir- shortly into rural Georgia, we ran out of gas. Uh, this was uh, probably two, three in the morning. And uh, that, that was a little scary, not having anything around, having these big semis blow by you and rock the car. I just I think that's the worst case scenario is is in a rural area where there's nothing around. You don't know where how you're going to get it fixed. 
um, the, the busy highway that, that, that would be a little unnerving if you were changing a tire, but if it's just a dead car, you just kind of pull out your wallet and call trip away and they'll be there pretty quickly and they can take care of it. Um, so I, I'll run with rural America. Um, I'll pass on, uh, on the busy, uh, city and I'll boot vacation. I mean, you're on vacation. What? Yeah, that sucks that your car broke down, but you're, you're still on vacation there. It, there, it could be worse. So, uh, that, those would be my answers there. Yeah. When you're in, where you're in rural Arkansas, you bring a lot of scary concepts into play. Trust me. Cause yeah. honestly, the last thing you want to see is somebody, let me just tell you that. uh all right what do you got for me okay so uh last night i was sitting out and i made a fire because my wife is out of town and i don't have a car i can't go anywhere so i just sat out on my back patio and and built a fire in the fire pit and i was thinking this would be a good run pass or boot question for paul what is for you run pass or boot fireplace fire pit or a good old fashioned dumpster fire. Oh, that's a good one. Figuratively speaking. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to stand there at actual dumpster fire. I will say that much. <laughs> so if we're going figurative dumpster fire, I will say I will, I will run. I will run with dumpster fire. Uh, because it's just entertaining. It's a, it popped the popcorn, sit back and watch watching things unravel is just it's 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 fantastic you know it's it's you you it's always the the next level of how deep can this thing go you know uh so i i'm all about i'm all about the figurative dumpster fire i'm running i will pass on fireplace i love fireplaces i'm all i'm all about you know the crackles uh, and the heat, and on a cold day, a nice like November, December day, the fireplace is going. You're, you know, watching TV or whatever, and the fireplace. It's fantastic. What a, what a day! I love it. I will boot fire pit, not because fire uh, fire pits are overrated for this reason. I hate when my clothes smell like smoke, and I cannot. So that for me, anytime you're around a fire pit, done forget it your clothes smell like smoke you smell like your hair smells like smoke for those that have hair i'm sure don't like that uh for me it's not as big of an issue but you just feel like your whole everything smells like smoke you go to bed you lay down if you don't take a shower before you go to bed now you're like pillows smell like smoke it's just i feel like it follows you and as much as i love making a s'more i don't i don't need to you know smell like a giant uh fire uh, the rest of the rest of my day. So that's where, that's, that's where I land on that. But sitting back and watching everything unravel for, for a team or something like that is just, that's, that's as good as it gets. Are you the guy that like gets up and changes his seat every time the wind changes direction? So you can be away from the smoke blowing on your clothes. Um, yes, because I am trying (laughs) to get the smoke away, getting away from the smoke blowing into my (laughs) nostrils as well. Which is also an unbecoming part of the fire pit. Yeah, I am. I absolutely am. I don't want to get smoke all up in my face where I can't hardly even breathe and everything. It's, it's just. Is that bad? Like fire pit etiquette? I don't have a whole lot of fire pit like hangout experience necessarily because of the reasons I've stated. 
I guess it depends on how many chair. If if you're if you're taking someone's chair that just went to get a beer, that's probably bad etiquette. But if there's a bunch of empty chairs, it's just kind of humorous to watch people moving around all the time. Well, yeah, well, stay away I like I move my own chair. Is that okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's okay. I got my camper chair and I just move it around somewhere else. Plus, it gives me a different chance to socialize with somebody else in the circle. I'm just I like the smell of the fire. I, I if if I could bottle it as cologne, I would do that. If I could, I if I could, if I could bottle the hopelessness of a dumpster fire, I would do that. <laughs> Those are people's lives you're talking about. Eh, not necessarily, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, that'll 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 wrap us up. Uh, we'll head out well, again. Thanks to everybody that's been uh, following along, listening to the the free episodes free here uh, for our Tuesday episodes and our post game episodes. Uh, all year long, the bonus episode that we do on Thursday, which is the game preview. We talk to uh, you know, Jay. Will be talking to Mark Caboli from Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I will have a conversation with Joe Goodberry, doing some film review. We'll give our predictions uh, and dive further into the game against the Steelers. That will post later this week. That will only be on the Athletic. We would love to have you on as a subscriber. If you are not, uh, if you just listen to the free ones, we're happy to have you for those. Uh, but you know, highly recommend we try to make the content very much worth your while. We'll keep you updated on everything that's going on on the site. Uh, so anyway, anyway, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will uh, catch you next time on Hear That Podcast Ground. Have a good one.